0: Film Geezers Podcast. Welcome to the Film Geekers. I'm Rebel, and I'm joined by Cheeto L. Hello. (laughs) And today, as you probably guessed, we're doing uh, part one of our Superman special. So today Hmm. I'm going to cover Superman, the original, the 78 theatrical release, uh, Superman 2 and Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. But before I do that, I'm going to just give you a little brief history of Superman in film. So Superman... Um, as a character first appeared, it was actually created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, and first appeared in Action Comics in June 1938. Action Comics number one, number one, yep. yep. And it actually first, um, first appeared in cinemas surprisingly in 1941 mm-hmm. as a part 17-part a series of animated shorts between 1941 and 43, and they're actually released by Paramount Pictures. Then. Uh, superman live-action was actually 1948 Um, and again that was a 15-part film serial from columbia pictures and starred kirk allen so technically kirk allen is um the first live-action superman i've seen some of the kirk allen yeah Uh, and then in 1948 um superman was followed up by atom man versus superman Mm which was another 15-part serial from Columbia Pictures, still starring Kirk Allen. And then 1951, we saw Superman and the Mole Men, which was shot on a low budget. Um, and it was ser- served as a sort of a trial run for the uh, TV series, The Adventure of Superman, which aired from 52 to 58, and for which the 51 film became a two-part pilot episode titled The Unknown People. Uh, it stars George Reeves as Superman and, and um, Originally, Lois Lane was played by Phyllis Coates in the film in the first season of the show, but was recast in later scenes with Noel Neal, who actually played the character in the previous Kirk Allen films. And it wouldn't be until, obviously, 1978 when Superman was uh, released. Um, so, basically, the, the history of that is, is DC... Sorry, Warner's took over DC Comics, so that opened them up to a whole plethora of... of yeah. um, of characters, and in 1973, uh, producer Elias Salkin convinced his father Alexander to buy the rights to Superman, and uh, along with the, I think their partner Pierre Spengler. Yep. And that's really where it all started. DC um, retained full creative control over the film because obviously they wanted to protect their their character Mm. so they um, had final say in the actors that were going to be considered for Superman and they actually approved the producers choices of Muhammad Ali, Al Pacino, James Khan, Steve McQueen, Clint Eastwood and Dustin Hoffman so the filmmakers felt it was best to film Superman, Superman 2 back to back and William Goldwyn was approached to write the screenplay, while Lee Brackett was considered. Elia hired Alfred Bester, who began writing a film treatment. Alexander felt, however, that Bester was not famous enough, so he hired Mario Puzo, who wrote The Godfather, and was paid $600,000 to do that. Um, Francis Ford Coppola, William Friedkin, Richard Lester, who later directed Superman 2 and 3, Peter Yates, John Gulliman, Ronald Neiman, Sam Peckinpah were in negotiations to direct Peck- Can you imagine Peckinpah Superman? Mm. <laughs> Apparently Peckinpah dropped out when he produced a gun during a meeting with Elia. So. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, George Lucas turned down the offer because his his commitment to Star Wars. Healy wanted to hire Steven Spielberg to direct, but Alexander was sceptical, thinking it was best to wait until Spielberg's big fish opens. So Jaws, um, I think don't think it opened at what, seventy five, so that was seventy four. Hmm. So it so successful they um offered Spielberg a position but then Spielberg had already committed to closing cows of the third kind. So Guy Hamilton was hired as director while Puzo delivered his five hundred page script for Superman and Superman two in July nineteen seventy five.
1: I mean, five hundred
0: pages. But even for two films, um, I think the typical film script's about a hundred pages, or less than. We think
1: when with Mario Puzo, um, he's he's probably writing it like he would write any other movie, as in terms like Godfather, yeah. very dialogue heavy um, sort of drama, yeah. and that's probably why it was so bloated. Mm-hmm.
0: So in early 1975, Brando signed on as Jarell with a salary of 3.7 million and 11.75% of the box office gross profits, which would total 19 million. Um, in a, a meeting, initial meeting with the Salkins, he proposed that Jarell appear as a green suitcase or a, a bagel with Brando's voice, because yeah. by that time, um, Brando had, had basically got tired of acting and was just trying to obviously still wanted the money he mm. just wanted to phone it in but apparently Donna was able to persuade him to uh to portray durrell himself because uh, Donna was a huge huge fan of the comic books
1: I think so yeah. yeah um I think the way he did it was um the fact that uh Jor-El was already an established character yeah. with, with many years of backstory. Yeah. so he agreed to play duel as duel yeah. in the comics uh, Brando had in
0: his contract to complete all his scenes in twelve days. He refused to memorize his dialogue, so they had to use cue cards all over the set, including taped people's yes yeah. and things. When on the, on Baby Calo uh, as yeah, well, because he, he said like um, it, to keep it fresh, he didn't want to memorize the, the the script, so he just wanted to deliver it as like he'd seen it first time. Yeah. Which I don't know does that work? I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> I thought that's the whole point of acting, it <laughs> Um, Oscar winner uh, fellow Oscar winner Hackman was cast as Lex Luthor which I thought was a decent yeah that was a, a decent, massive coup yeah um, and obviously you got Brando and Hackman it's, complete A-list of probably yeah, like the biggest fairly. stars in the world at the time yeah so um, yeah you can obviously attract attention from that
1: and I think that did um, those two uh, they were right to cast those two and at, at that time because it did attract a lot of attention didn't yeah. it
0: um, they made it a priority to shoot all of Brando's and footage because they would be committed to other films immediately. Um, although the Selkins felt that Puzo had written a solid story for the two-part film, they deemed his script too long, so hired Robert Benton and David Newman for rewrite work. Benton became too busy directing The Late Show, so David's wife Leslie was brought in to help her husband finish writing duties. George MacDonald Fraser was later hired to do some work on the script, but he says he did little. So this just illustrates the kind of what goes on behind the scenes to bring a film um, from inception to actual um, release Mm. and all the different change I mean obviously later on um, in one of our later episodes we'll be talking about sort of unproduced um, Superman and the amount of films that have been proposed involving Superman the amount of scripts that have been developed I mean some films have actually gone into full pre-production and they've spent millions on developing a film and then just pulled the plug on it last minute so yeah Um, the script was submitted in July 1976 and it had a bit of a camp tone including a cameo appearance by Telly Savalas as his Kojak character do you know that? No I didn't know that (laughs) no. Um, The script for Superman and Superman 2 are now over 400 pages combined. They actually started pre-production in Cine City Studios in Rome with sets starting construction and flying tests being unsuccessfully experimented. Um, Ilya Salkin remembered that they lost about just $2 million just on flying tests alone Unfortunately, Marlon Brando found he could yeah. no longer film in Italy because of a warrant out for his arrest a sexual obscenity charge from The Last Tango in Paris, so they moved the production to England in 1976. But then Hamilton had to drop out because he was attacked. tax so It's just one thing after another. and you, mm. you can't, It's one of those films that we've said before. It's a maze that it mm. actually got made mm. at all. Yeah, you, you put it maybe
1: next to Jaws as how yeah. the hell this film exactly. got
0: made. Matt Robson was strongly considered and was in touch to direct, but after seeing The Omen, the producers hired Richard Donner. Um, he got a phone call, I think, uh, January 77, and he was a little bit dubious because he'd only, I think they were a month away from actual production, actual filming. Yeah. So he didn't feel they had a lot of time to prepare, but they offered him a million dollars. So they just just him money around. Um, Donner, obviously, felt the script at 550 pages he thought it was best to start from scratch um he said they prepared the picture for a year not one bit was useful to me so he brought in his friend tom mankovitz to perform a rewrite and because obviously uh the writers Guild of america refused to credit mankovitz for his rewrites donna had to give him a creative control consultant credit so if you see on the on the credits there's a story that donna says he said um Salkin sent over the script along with a Superman costume, and he was sat in the costume, smoking a bit of weed, reading the script when Tom Mankiewicz turned up and he went running across the lawn in his <laughs> superman suit <laughs> uh so that's kind of illustrates what Donna was like, yeah, so um I mean the omen was a that was his first directorial or big film that he directed, so coming off the back of that mm. um, and you can think that Omen obviously is a horror film it's very dark maybe that's what you want in a Superman film a little bit
1: maybe I mean um, also the, the fact you've got to think as well um, I can understand why some people at the time maybe would sort of not want Donna to do it because obviously Omen's quite a small scale production yeah. and you go straight into a massive superhero blockbuster you know but um yeah, I think obviously they got the they got the directing right on I you think know. so, yeah, definitely. Um the casting of Superman,
0: I mean that was that was obviously gonna be the the um I, I reckon probably the make or break of a film. Yep. Um they initially wanted to sign an an established actor for Superman before Richard Donner was hired as director. Um Robert Redford was offered a large sum but felt he was too famous, which I think maybe is. Mm-hmm. I think I think for the part of Superman, you would probably you're better off with an unknown because then you, they don't bring any yeah. kind of baggage. Well, with them. if
1: it was Robert Redford, you'd just be like, yeah, that's Robert yeah. Redford in a Superman suit.
0: Burt Reynolds, Sylvester Stallone, actually met with Donna, was interested in him, mm. but Donna felt he wasn't right because he's he's basically, what, five foot eight yeah. or something. So um, Paul Newman was offered his role as Superman, uh, or Lex Luthor, or Jarrell mm. <laughs> for four million, turned down all three roles. Um, and then it was decided to cast an unknown actor uh, so casting director Lynn Stallmaster first suggested Christopher Reeve but Donna and the producers felt he was too young and skinny. Mm. Over 200 unknown actors auditioned for Superman Olympic champion uh, Bruce later, Caitlyn Jenner actually auditioned for the title role, you know that? Yeah I know that, yeah. yeah. Uh, Patrick Wayne was cast but dropped out when his father John Wayne was diagnosed with stomach cancer Neil Diamond and Arnold Schwarzenegger lobbied hard for the role but were ignored. James Kahn, James Brolin, Lyle Wagner, Christopher Walker, Nick Nolte, John Voight, Perry King were approached. Chris Christopherson, Charles Bronson were also considered for the title role. Warren Beatty was off the role but turned it down. James Caan said so he was off the part but he turned it down because he, he just couldn't wear the suit. And what Tom Mankiewicz said is that we found guys with fabulous physiques who couldn't act or wonderful actors who did not look remotely like Superman. Uh, and apparently, even producer Elias Alkin's wife's dentist was screen tested yeah. for it as well. So, yeah, I think it's it's just so important that they got the right well, Superman.
1: Well, what I was when I first read that, all the actors, I was like, these, like what Tom Mankiewicz says, these guys do not look like Superman mm-hmm. at all, um, and. Like like Robin Redford, they were too famous. Or but the big thing is is the how Superman looks. You know, um, yeah. Superman. Everyone knows what Superman looks like. Um, and yeah, none of these actors even resembled slightly what Superman yeah. looked like. So yeah. So
0: the Starmaster convinced Donna and Elia to have Reeves screen tested, and he actually really surprised directors and producers. And so he was cast. Mm. Um, they were wanting him to wear a muscle suit. Because he obviously was quite skinny, but he said to them that he, he used to be a athlete in school, and that he would be able to to bulk up, which he did. Um, he actually worked with Dave Prowse,
1: Darth Vader himself. And um, Dave Prowse was also yeah, lobbied he, for the role, didn't he? but yeah. I believe Donna was like, um, only want an American getting the role, didn't he? So um,
0: he also auditioned for the part of Non as well. Apparently. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So Reeve put on twenty four pounds during pre production mm-hmm. filming. He was only paid two hundred and fifty thousand for both films, while like you know, three Mark Brandon got three point seven million, Hackman two million. Mm. But I guess you know, um, it brought him, you know, worldwide um, sort of fame. Fame, yeah, Yeah. pretty much, and obviously led on to um, led on to. Well, I suppose he had a problem later on. I suppose being typecast
1: as Superman, difficulty finding other roles, but yeah it was and um, I, I suppose maybe because I know he was a massive fan so I, I guess the, the monetary side wasn't really that big of a problem for him you know yeah. if he got to uh, portray Superman so yeah
0: um, Jeff East portrays teenage Clark and apparently East's lines were overdubbed by Reeve during post production yeah. they and didn't it, tell him didn't They know he no. wasn't happy about that um, but Apparently they resolved that it he said it caused a bit of tension between them, mm. but it, they resolved their issues with each other. Um, he had to, uh, have three and three to four hours of makeup daily to, to resemble Reed, Reeve, sorry. Uh, filming began March 28th, 1977 at Pinewood Studios for the Krypton scenes. And it was budgeted the most expensive film ever made at that point. Um, since Superman was being shot simultaneously with Superman 2, filming lasted 19 months until October 1978. It was originally scheduled to last between seven and eight months, but obviously problems arose during production, particularly with the um, flying scenes. I believe because uh, Dolly obviously didn't want it to look, want it to look real, because mm. the tagline was you believe a man can fly." Yeah. So the whole, the whole point of Superman is believing that I he mean, can fly.
1: They went through di- various different yeah. processes about how they did it. You know.
0: Yeah and you know I think he was 2 weeks into filming when he was told he was already over budget and mm. <laughs> so and he claims he was never ever yeah. given a budget by by the Salkins
1: I think Tom Mankowitz even says that, yeah. he, that he was never given a budget yeah. but
0: um and obviously where they were filming both films uh, simultaneously um that obviously caused issues as well mm. um but as as obviously as filming progressed, and they became they became over schedule and apparently over over budget. Um, tensions arose between Donna and the Salkins, and particularly Pierre Spengler, mm. uh, to the point where they just weren't speaking. So that's when at that point they brought in Richard Lester, who'd worked with the Salkins on the Three Musketeers in 1973. Um, he was still owed money apparently by the Salkins. And he was promised that they'd pay him if he was to come in and, and act as, well, what they call, he was going to give uh, an executive producer mm. credit, but he was really there to act as a mediator. Yeah, like um, Leighmaster,
1: like he's going to like shadow him, Yeah, wasn't he? he was yeah. basically.
0: And the idea was that if Donna did drop out, they could just replace him straight away. Um, and I think actually Lester took over second unit directing and that actually worked quite well together. Yeah, I heard that as well, yeah. Um, the Salkins have had a little bit of a shady past. Yeah. <laughs> um, during production of The the Three Musketeers in the 70s, um, it was originally intended as an epic which ran for three hours, but during production, it, they, they've realised they couldn't make their release date in that form, so they decided to split it, the longer film, to two shorter films, and the second part was to become The Four Musketeers. They did this really without telling the actors and they only paid the actors and cast and crew for one one film, which caused, obviously, a lot of lawsuits afterwards. And it prompted the <clears throat> Screen Actors Guild, requiring all future actors' contracts to include what's become known as a Sulking Clause, basically after them. Yeah. Which says that it, a, a single production can't be split into two instalments without prior agreement and without paying for them. Well, like Donna said, you know, they, they only seem to care about money. That's all they, you know, initially when, when they presented him with a script and he wanted to rewrite it, they were a little bit hesitant about that, weren't they? Yeah. Because they just wanted to get a film made, get it out there, get money. Um, so as, obviously as as production <clears throat> production went on, the, the relation deteriorated. They decided that they were going to shut production down on Superman 2. I think Donna had com- completed something like 75 to 8%. Of the actual film and they would concentrate on getting Superman into into the cinema um, like I say they finished shooting in October 78 they missed that summer uh, release window um, and they were gonna release it at Christmas the kind of Stuart Baird who was the editor of the film I think they had two months to yeah. really edit the film there's music, everything else, special effects. I mean, Donna said he'd like another six months, but he said at some point you obviously have to hand the, hand the film over. They didn't even have time to do any test screenings. No. So the first time that film was actually shown was actually the premiere.
1: And so, it, so literally, they, they, them two just sat down and yeah. edited the movie and they worked day and night, didn't they? Yeah. Um, to try and get this movie done. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and it, it opened, uh, like I said. I mean, it was due to open June 78, which is the 40th anniversary of Action Comics, but it pushed it back by six months. So it opened in December of 78, um, and it it set a, an industry record for business during a pre Christmas week with 12 million dollars. And set a new record for Warner Brothers for the best opening day, 2.8 million dollars. Three day weekend at 7.5 million. In the week of December 27 to 28th, it set an all time US weekly record of 18.5 million and it also set a single day gross for Warner Brothers with a gross of 3.8 million. In its third weekend, it grossed 13.1 million for the four day holiday weekend, setting a record 18 day gross of 43.7 million. And it went on to gross 134.5 million in the US and Canada and 166 million internationally, totaling 300. Uh, and a half million worldwide so i mean that's that's phenomenal for a for a film yeah I think the budget was for like fifty five million um yeah and to sort of you know do six times um six times its budget and i think if you extrapolate that today um you're talking about one point three billion in today's money which is mm. what well, uh, i comparable to sort of like the Avengers movies that made yeah. that and other I mean that's a phenomenal well, I mean, amount of money it,
1: it broke all those records and it obviously got released after Star Wars so it broke all those records yeah. and Star Wars um broke I mean of course it, it slowed down where Star Wars yeah. get to make money but it just shows how big of a deal this this movie was from the start you know yeah um themes of Superman,
0: well, Superman is divided into three basic sections, each having a distinct theme and visual style. The first segment set on Krypton is meant to be a typical science fiction film but also lays the groundwork for an analogy that emerges in the relationship between jor and Kal-El. The second segment set in Smallville is reminiscent of fifties films and its small town atmosphere is meant to evoke a Norman Rockwell painting. The third and largest segment set mostly in Metropolis was an attempt to present the superhero story with as much realism as possible what Donna called very, very s simil, very similar, very mm-hmm. similar to saying <laughs> mm-hmm. that say relying on uh, traditional cinematic drama and using on his subtle humor instead of a campy approach. Which I think is um is is true. I mean you you look at the first section, obviously it's sat on Krypton. Um it tells the story of obviously of the, um the the end the last sort of days of Krypton. Yeah. Uh, sets up the characters of sort of Jarell, um, and the the relationship between them, and the way it's shot is very reminiscent of our science fiction films. You've got kind of like the glowing suits that they wear. Um,
1: well, it, it kind of because you know maybe people who've not seen the movie may think this is a campy movie mm-hmm. when almost the uh, especially the opening scenes with Joel and the High Council—it's almost like Shakespearean dialogue, isn't it? You know, and yeah. it—it it, just—I say for First Watcher, it's sort of—you're um, you're going to know what type of movie yeah. it is, you know, with that type of dialogue. Um, and I believe the the suits were made of uh, 3M reflective material, weren't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not really campy in the slightest yeah. at all. And then obviously, um, I mean, the story is obviously. Uh,
0: Krypton is uh, dying. Um, jor is the only one who's he's warned everybody, but no one's listening to him. Um, he places Kal-El, it's his son, into a, a little spaceship, mm. sends him off to a, a planet uh, where he uh, can survive, which is happens to be Earth. But because of um, his uh, physical attributes, he's going to be a lot stronger than... People on Earth, it's a survival thing, isn't it? So it can hopefully survive. Yeah. Um, and then Krypton's destroyed. Uh, the opening of the film also introduces the characters of General Zod, played by Terrence Stamp, Ursa, and Non, who are three criminals, um, and they are basically uh, sentenced to spend eternity in the Phantom Zone, which is kind of like a mirror mm. sort of thing. Um, and that kind of sets it up then for Superman 2 because yeah. that's a key plot story. Uh, Superman, our kal- the young, the baby kal travels to Earth, and all along he's he's listening to his father's voice, who's who's teaching him about Earth and Earth culture and everything. Um, he lands. He's discovered by Jonathan and Martha Kent, who adopt him, name him Clark, because I don't think they can have children of their own. No. Um, and it's really Jonathan who, who teaches him kind of morality um, about uh, not not using his powers where he knows he can. It's yeah. like he's not allowed to play football because he obviously could injure people and that sort of thing. And although he's sort of treated as a bit of a nerd, a bit of an outcast, um, he feels a bit frustrated because he can't, you know, if he can, it's like there's a scene where he's, he's sort of saying, you know, he's, he's got these amazing powers, but he can't show them. Yeah. And Jonathan says, "Well, you you were sent to her for a reason. You've got you know, you you've got uh, great things ahead of you." And then he he takes uh, a crystal from his. He's drawn. His, his, Jonathan dies. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> um, he takes a crystal from his, his spaceship because he's kind of drawn to this. He's drawn to to travel north to North Pole. Throws a crystal into the ice. And that's what creates the forces of solitude, yeah. and that's when uh, the recording of Jerell, because what Jerell's done he's recorded basically the entire history of mankind and and everything, uh, philosophy, religion, in these crystals, and that's where Clark then kind of learns all this and really does become Superman. And then obviously the third part of the film is where Clark turns up at the Daily Planet mm. as a new reporter. He's kind of this bumbling, clumsy and I think Reeve really does capture both Clark and yeah. Superman. Um that's where we meet Lois Lane as well for the first time. And then that's kind of the traditional traditional um superhero film. Obviously like the the the, the bit in Smallville like they say it's it's really very much like a 50s kind of almost like a happy days type thing Um but yeah so then the first time we actually see Superman it's quite, quite a way into the film yeah uh, the scene involving Lois Lane she's getting to a helicopter it ends up crashing and it's falling off the building and that's when we just see I mean it is it is a an iconic mm, moment oh yeah 100% Clark running across the street pulls his shirt open and there's the S Yeah. and it, you I, honestly it's almost, you almost brings a tear to yeah. your eye, does not it? It's just, Cause you such, got, you got John Williams and, yeah, I mean, score that's booming that's something well. We hadn't talked about, but I mean, John Williams score, just, yeah. And just that build up to that scene and that's the introduction of Superman. Um, then, obviously, Lex Luthor's got a, a plot to uh, explode, uh, steal nuclear bombs, explode them on the San Andreas Fault, causing California to, to slip into the water. He's bought up all the land on the other side of the fault, which he's going to sell as beachfront property. That's his plan. And, obviously, Superman follows him in the end. Yeah. Um, there's a scene right at the end where Superman and Lois actually... Uh, there's... the Bomb actually, um, one of the bombs actually explodes and, and causes an earthquake, earthquake yeah. which you know it, it it splits the dam and it causes Lois Lane to die. So then Superman basically flies around the earth, reversing it, turning back time, and yeah. then rescuing Lois. That was actually going to be the ending of Superman 2, mm. but then Donna didn't know how to end the film so he went okay we'll steal that from superman 2 we'll worry about superman 2 later um but i just think yeah it's it's um it's very very uplifting kind of film it's everything you want from a superhero movie
1: oh yeah i mean um, if, if, like we said before this this was the first go at a um sort of studio putting loads yeah. of money behind the superhero property um like I said, uh, we're going to get into how we feel about mm-hmm. the movie and stuff, you know. Um, I, I still think it's it's one of the best corporate movies ever made and um, that's some high praise considering the amount of corporate movies we've got. Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing, we can go into specifics a bit later, but the main thing I think is it comes from Richard Donner. Um, yeah, I think so. And so, so, of course, Christopher Reeve as well, but Richard Donner, um, like we said in the podcast previous, He understood the character where he, you know, this is what happens when you actually get someone who's a fan, actually cares about the source material, you know, he knew to respect the source material. He changed a couple of things that were for the good, like um, with the houses and stuff, Mm. houses of L and stuff, which is good. But yeah, he he respected the character of Superman, respected the source material, and it really shows, doesn't it?
0: I think that's what you need to do. I think if yeah. you're going to do something like that, you need somebody who knows the, the material and who respects that material. Mm. Otherwise, you end up with... Um, <laughs> like, I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, like, later on, um, after, you know, John Peters was hired as a, as a producer to try and make a, a fifth Superman film. And he was like, well, I don't want Superman to fly. I don't want him to wear the suit. And I want him to fly mm. a giant spider right at the end of the film. And that just shows somebody who doesn't connect with the material, doesn't understand the material, and you know you've got what from 38 to 78. You've got 40 years of people, you know, fans reading comics, and they want to see Superman as they see him in the in the the comic
1: book. I mean, a good good like parallel would be look at what happened with um Ryan Johnson with the Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got X amount of years of 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 material behind mm. you, and you change drastically about yeah. the story and the plot and the actual characters is a big middle finger up yeah, to the fans, it isn't is. it, you know? So um, Richard Donner being a, a fan of, of yeah. Superman definitely helped this film as well, 100%. But
0: I think, obviously, like the difference, and we'll talk about it a bit later, but the difference between Superman 1 and Superman 2 with different directors mm. who've got different styles, it, it does really detract from it. I think you yep. need that continuity as well. Um, anything else you want to say about it? Yeah, I've got, got loads of things to say. I mean,
1: I mean, obviously, Christopher Reeve... Um, as superman is, is I was always a, a Henry Cavill guy don't go wrong, I love Henry Cavill, and I think he's perfect for the superman we got now but the guy just looks like superman mm. and he was born to play superman and uh, he really knew the fine line between Clark Kent and superman yeah. you know he, he even showed it physically where you know he, he was sort of crouched over um, he spoke in quite a fair voice you know and then when he transformed into superman he lowered his voice he sort of um, Puffed up his chest, you know, and he just he just oozes Superman. And um, obviously, that with, with the film being focused on him the whole time, it was important to get this this casting right, and they did. I mean, we we look at some of the the actual uh, actors that that the producers wanted and the studio wanted, and they, if any of them, any at all, were casted as Superman, this film wouldn't have been anywhere near as good.
0: It's easy to say in hindsight, isn't it, whether a casting decision was was right or not.
1: But I mean, it's it's, di- it's different though, though, because yeah, yeah. Superman, like we said, is had, had uh, what was it, forty years yeah. of source material. Everyone knew that six uh, Superman was six foot four. He had he had black hair. He, had, he was muscular build. Everyone knew what Superman was. It wasn't like he was a, an original character. No. So I think it was very important. That you stuck to the source material, respect the characters, and that's exactly what Richard Donner does. Does with this film, and and it's the reason why it's so celebrated as well.
0: I just think the way the way he shoots the film as well. Mm. I mean, it's very easy, like we say, to to sort of get into that kind of tongue in cheek, that campy. Mm. I think you either got to do it one of two ways: either do it as a comic film or do it
1: completely, absolutely seriously. And he did. He did it. Yeah, and I think it was the right right thing to do. Um, I mean, even going into like the, the. like how how I don't know what the word is like how much effort they put into actually making this film made as in terms of they were like making up new cameras on the spot like mm. they did with Star Wars yeah. um, Yeah. with the flying as well yeah. you know they went through so many different the, the main thing Richard Donner Cared about was the flying because he wanted yeah. he wanted people to really believe a man could fly. and like I um, said,
0: that was their that was their tagline of the movie. That was mm. their selling point. And I mean, if they couldn't if they couldn't get that to work, then the film
1: I think would have failed. I mean, they tried a couple couple of things before. I mean, they they tried that remote control man, didn't they? Uh, yeah, and it, it just didn't have any life to him. They mm. tried various other things, and then they created a camera specifically for um, shooting the flying scenes um they they uh, invented a sort of like um a system in his in his cape yeah. which moved the cape so it made it even more like like he looked like he was flying um and i think only a a director and a film crew who actually really cared about about superman would yeah. go to that length you, you go, go
0: back to like say the, the 40s serial and the 50s tv yeah. show superman basically you you have a shot of him jumping in the air yep. and the next shot is cut and he's kind of flying with one of those kind of moving backgrounds yeah. and a bit of a wind machine maybe to make his cape flap. So to actually see Superman take off and fly as smoothly as he does, and it gives a lot of credit to Christopher Reeve as well, because yeah. Reeve, I think, was actually learning to fly at that point. So he understood, obviously, the aerodynamics and everything, and the way that he moves and he banks.
1: It's, it's, it you actually, makes it completely yeah, you fully immersive. He's actually flying. I mean, I also looked at um, in, in some of the earlier live actions or serials, uh, what they had is is they had uh, Superman jumping and then he'd turn into an animated character yeah. and he'd fly off, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing. You're always going to get people hate on things. I mean, people are going to say... Uh, by today's standard it, it, it doesn't hold well, up like you but
0: can I... compare anything to today. today's standards you can pretty much do anything but even film. so
1: I still fi- I still think it stands up to even today you, you know, know you look at
0: 78 with, with practical effects no one had ever seen, seen anything like this before right. you
1: know and like I said they were literally inventing ways to mm. do this on the spot for this specifically this movie so no one before that would yeah. have would have ever seen that before in I mean,
0: film like a lot of it was like cables mm. and uh then obviously a lot of it was blue screen yeah. even that you know that was a new technique that i think the, the Salkins didn't want to pay for initially but when warner saw the, the potential f- they had the a the potential they, they, actually, it, didn't they? they actually put money into it and that's what happened is throughout the production the Salkins were running out of money so mm. warner's put more and more money into it and
1: i think that that's how they kind of retained a lot of the rights and, yeah. and profits from that I mean, there's there's so many good things about this movie as well. You know, we've talked obviously we talked about Superman. Mm. We've got to talk about the antagonist, Lex Luthor. Um, is there anything else you want to well, say? I about just Superman? want to say that um,
0: you know when I think when they when they first I th- I don't think Warner's had much interest in in um, a Superman film mm. or, or a comic book film really, but I think when they actually saw some of the footage that had been produced, yeah. that's when they and got they realized. really excited and that's when they really got behind it. I mean, I think they they put like something like. Um, seven to eight million dollars in just the marketing of the film which is a huge commitment as well on a 55 million dollar budget yeah. so especially for the time it was yeah, um, exactly but so, yeah i think i think that like you say without superman we wouldn't have probably the comic book films we have today or they might be no. very different and i think it started the whole genre it set the bar for for uh superhero films mm. Well, yeah, like, sorry, I've interrupted no, you. That's right, to... and, and I agree with the What's
1: point. The, yeah. I agree with a point that that if it wasn't for this film, then we wouldn't have any MCU, we wouldn't have any DCU, any of the superhero projects since then. Or if we did, they, uh, they'd be starting at point zero yeah. again, you know. Um, what this done for the whole, like, I don't know, the industry of movies itself, especially for combat movies, yeah, it it cannot be in, put into words how yeah. important this film was. Um, but, yeah, just going into the antagonist, I mean... Uh, I mean, like Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman completely embodies Lex Luthor. Well, yeah, um,
0: it's like for for every um, for every protagonist, you have to have an equally strong <clears> protagonist. <throat> and I think with Lex Luthor, is supposedly the most intelligent, you know, the, the smartest guy on, in on the planet, <clears> which <throat> he he does keep.
1: Oh keep yeah. Well, we've, we've, what's great is you? is he someone who who is the smartest person on the planet will always. Be cocky, yeah. and they will always say you know, it when they and criminal
0: mastermind, yeah, which
1: he think. reminds the audience 40 yeah. times in the movie. Um, you've got to be charismatic, yeah. Lex Luthor is, and, and Gene Hackman completely is. Um, I've seen some people say, like, this is the thing we got we can talk about pros, we yeah. also got to talk about cons, but even yeah. though we may not agree with them. People have been saying he's a bit, he's a bit camp and he's a bit, but people have got to realize that at the time in 1978, the comics that's how Lex Luthor was, as well, yeah. you know. Um, it's like
0: you can't look at the film like we're saying that you can't look at the film through sort of 2022 20, yeah. eyes you've got to look at it from it's like superman today is a lot darker than superman was yeah back then but that is a reflection of the time yeah exactly that we live in. so superman i think has always followed the latest trend and the latest um you know the zeitgeist of, mm. of the time um and reflected that, yeah. And I think you've got to look at it from that kind of seventies. I mean, you look at seventy-eight. What, what was disco? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: look at it through those eyes, and then you think, wow, yeah, it's, it is. Well, you've got to think. You, it's like the Star Wars thing as well. um The seventies were a very depressing uh, sort of decade, mm. you know. And uh, Superman is, of course, the the beacon, hope, of light mm. of hope, and, and he, it would. He embodies yeah. all that hope. And like
0: I like said about, like say Star Wars and and this film is that up to that point the seventies have been the films have been quite depressing films. Yeah, they quite, are. you know, you had a lot of these um,
1: sort of like disaster movies, disaster
0: movies. Yeah, these post-apocalyptic sort of movies, and to actually have a film of that is hope for a for a generation. Um, I think it was similar to like Star Wars as yeah, it well. Was, yeah, you know. So I think yeah, it was it was it's maybe of its time. But you just got to to look at it. Mm.
1: But like I said, I, I, and I mean, it still stands up today. I mean, we're, I think, yeah, we're coming definitely. from two different generations, yeah. obviously. But I mean, it, I, I still the way I look at this film is yeah, maybe something stand out as as a bit old, but that's because the film is old. Mm. But I think you got. To, when you watch this movie anyway it's a great movie anyway but you've got to watch this movie as well and you've got in the back of my mind the whole time I watched this movie I'm like what this did for the film sort of industry and um, how revolutionary it was you just got to respect the hell out of this film because it did so much that people may overlook you know Um, like
0: yeah going back to Lex Luthor I mean mm. um, just physically I mean the comic books obviously he's always portrayed as bald yeah Um, Gene Hackman didn't want to go bald Gene Hackman had a moustache as well, and he wanted to keep his moustache. Apparently, Donna came on set one day and said, well, if you shave off your moustache, I'll shave off mine. So, uh, Hackman did. Donna turned up on set, peeled off his moustache, because apparently he had a a fake moustache. Yeah, a fake moustache, yeah. And Hackman actually found that quite funny. Yeah, he did. But to cast I mean, you know, he's an Oscar winner with a French connection. Again, a very, it's quite a depressing film. Yeah, it is, yeah. But to have a a serious actor of his calibre to come in, and to do what was kind of a fluff comic book piece. I mean, was it was a massive right. coup, I think. I mean, uh, it, you,
1: could, you could maybe say it's, n- it's near the same as, as Nicholson as Joker, you yeah. know, in yeah. in the in Batman. Um, it was a huge coup for them. And yeah. uh, I mean, you, you just, you look at Lex Luthor in the comics, he just looks like he's been, like with Reeves, he just looked mm-hmm. like he's been ripped straight out of the comic, yeah. you know, so. so no, There's
0: scenes at the end where he actually wears a bald cap. Yeah. Um, but what they did is they styled his hair throughout the film to make it look like he was wearing a series of, like, ill-fitting wigs, mm. which I think does. Yeah, 100%.
1: Um, is there anything else you can think with Lex Luthor? No, I don't think so. Um, I, th- another, I think another big thing about this film is, is of course, the, the most important relationship, um, maybe other than, than Superman and jor or Jonathan, is, is him and Lois, yeah, isn't it? You know, I think so, yeah. I mean, because that's the just main... Go, just
0: going back to, um, to, to Jor-El, I mean... I think Mankiewicz has been asked about sort of the Christian iconography throughout the whole film and it, it can and he does say there is some there. Particularly I mean, this is not what I'm saying, so don't don't be emailing in and mm-hmm. see but the fact like Jor-El is God and kal El is Jesus. Yeah. So he sends his son to Earth to save Earth. And that's kind of throughout the whole film. Yeah. And it is like that.
1: Like I said, that's how it is in the comments
0: who, as well. Who who's best to play Superman's dad than Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando I mean, yeah. Can you think of a
1: better? At the time, no, I couldn't. No. no, there a was I
0: know he was coming. I know he, he was sort of.
1: But even so, there was no bigger, bigger actor yeah. in the world than Marlon he'd Brando. Got
0: this reputation of of being, you know, difficult to work with, and he'd lost interest in acting. But I mean, you you look at his performance again. It, if without a kind of serious performance, mm. you would, you it it become a sort of joke, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, like yeah. I said,
1: the, the the first sort of dialogue he has is yeah. very Shakespearean, you know, and that that says to physically says to the audience, like right, this is the the tone we're going to take for the film, and it and it really does set that tone, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. He, he's like once again, he just looks like Joel. He yeah. just does, and um, I think it was I, th- I don't know if it was his idea, but obviously with the the three M reflective sort mm. of material which just adds that extra bit of like um wonder about
0: Well it just makes it look odd, doesn't yeah. it? In that kind of science fiction style. It makes it look like you're on a different world, which mm. is what what they're obviously going for. Um but yeah, that's just I just wanted to point that out. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, it's an um, important thing. Yeah. Uh back to Lois Lane. Mm. So obviously every protagonist has to have a love interest. Yeah. Um and it's weird because Lois is well, almost in like um, a, a three-way relationship with yeah. Superman and, and Clark Kent and her. But Clark Kent and Superman, it's the same person, unbeknownst
1: to her. <laughs> yeah. it? like,
0: it's always been a, a running joke, and it? How the hell could she not?
1: Yeah, with the glasses and yeah, because it's
0: like you know, in the film, she's like, oh, she, she, I think it's Superman too, where she goes, oh, how tall do you think Clark is? Yeah. And and she's sort of looking at him. that's um, actually in the donna cut, isn't it? it is yeah. And she draws there's a draws it on the newspaper, newspaper with Superman's picture and she draws glasses and a hat on him and that's when she kinda of realises that he's he's Superman. But we're getting ahead of ourselves again. <laughs> um but yeah I do not I d I don't I'm not I think yeah, I think um Margot Kidder I think was a great casting charge mm, for yep. Lois um, I think you have to because she's quite, quite a strong independent character but yep. you have to show that kind of vulnerability as well and she does do that yeah. doesn't she yeah. uh,
1: to be obviously rescued by Superman um, but as well like with Margot Kidder um, yeah she may not look that much like Lois Lane in the comics but I mean it's more important about the chemistry that she has with with Christopher Reeve because their their chemistry is is perfect, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. they, um, I mean, I think every every time they're on screen together, it's just really enjoyable, isn't it? Yeah.
0: I think she, um, I think from a, she an interview with Donna he said that she, um, she turned up for an audition. She mm. didn't have her contacts in, and I think she tripped over a desk or something. And he wanted to keep that kind of in in the film, so he asked her not to wear a contact lenses throughout the film. Yeah. Um, so she's a little bit clumsy. She's got a kind of a, a weird sort of stare to her you know? as <laughs> well. But I think it adds obviously adds he thought it added something to yeah. the, the character. Why well not,
1: isn't it? You yeah. know? Why not remember it? Uh, obviously the, the the first scene we get with uh, Superman and, and Lois is is really good and, and mm. about the interview scene and whatnot. Yeah. Um and they, they just show that brilliant chemistry they have on screen yeah. together.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um anything else you wanna yeah you wanna if we around? if we
1: actually talk about the actual action itself yeah. um, obviously the uh, the first time we get to see Superman is is obviously the helicopter scene yeah but um, when it's young young car we get bits of action like you know him hilariously kicking the football yeah. when it goes yeah. flying him obviously running next next to a train. Yeah. Um, I believe uh, they tried many different things with that as well but yeah. then they Decided on like a police system thing. Yeah. Um, I believe it was the actor that played young Superman. I believe he broke his um, he broke uh, his ankle or something.
0: Uh, he actually, uh, I think he actually pulled. Uh, was it pulled a muscle? Pulled, pulled some muscles doing yeah. that, doing that, um, doing that scene.
1: Yeah. But yeah, this this film is absolutely filled with action that you want in a Superman movie. And if we just talk about yeah. that that helicopter scene, yeah. it's just absolutely legendary, isn't it? You know, because yeah, that is. Yeah. I remember in the interview Richard Donner wanted to the first time uh, we see Superman in the suit he wanted it to be this huge spectacle and um, it just the way it plays out and the way how he formulates Mm. and executes it's just absolutely amazing Um, like we said before we we see Lois in a whole heap of trouble with the helicopter she's like hanging from it and you see Clark look up and he runs away um he, he runs to a, have you noticed he runs to a phone booth yeah but it's and a modern phone booth it's the, Yeah. He hasn't got a yeah and he's looking yeah. at it so he, yeah. he um you see him run towards camera expose the s yeah uh, insignia and then he obviously gets changed in one of those revolving doors yeah. and uh the the there's a geezer that says to him um nice suit and he's yeah. like hold on a minute yeah. and he just he just then out of nowhere just starts flying and he, he Catches Lois in, in midair, yeah. and you get the classic. oh, Don't worry, man, I've got you. You've got me. Who's got yeah. you? And then obviously the helicopter falls. And you're like, oh shit! There's another mm-hmm. problem, and he just catches it, catches it in midair like yeah. it's nothing. And um, an integral uh, piece, maybe some people will overlook, is when he when he um, like releases Lois on on the on top of the uh, skyscraper. He says to her, remember that that." Uh, uh, flying is still the safest way of transport, yeah. and that's something Superman would say yeah. in the comics. You know, yeah. just trying to—he he is the most friendliest, and, it, and it's just like I said—it's just something that resonates with me because that's something he would say in the comics. Yeah. You know, and just—that's uh, yeah—that's the first time that he publicly
0: uses his powers to yeah. save her, and then. You see a kind of a montage of like. So he he thwarts a jewel thief mm. attempting to scale a building. He captures robbers fleeing a police and, and he deposits their boat on Wall Street. Yeah. Rescues a girl's cat from a tree. Saves Air Force One after lightning destroys Oh, an that's a 16, yeah. So, you know, that's the first introduction we have to Superman. Now, it's slightly different reception, isn't it? To say, for example, Man of Steel that he receives because people actually. Happy to see yeah. and sell it, and whereas in Man and Steel, people are a little bit reluctant. And yeah. They wonder what he's doing there.
1: Well, you see, I think that's that that, that um, decades of yeah. difference, isn't it, in society um, and whatnot. fact
0: that they're obviously somebody as powerful as this, they're worried what, that he's going to turn his powers onto them. Yeah. but yeah, it's I think, like we said, you know, Superman is that symbol of hope, and I think that's how they they greet him. Um, then we move on to obviously Lex Luthor's uh, plot to uh he's going to divert two um missiles to detonate in the san andreas fault mm. um he actually lex discovers um some kryptonite that he uses to uh subdue superman yeah um but lex's uh assistant miss Tessmacher frees him because i think her mother lives in one of the places yeah. that's going to be bombed so he promises that he's going to stop one of the missiles, and he does, but the other one still detonates. It uh, blows up the Hoover Dam, the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, then, so he actually flies into the San Andreas Fault yeah. and seals the <laughs> seals the fault line. But while he's busy doing that, Lois's car falls into a crevice from one of the aftershocks, and it traps her, and and she basically suffocates before he he can reach her. Mm. And then you see. Superman Just, get angry you know you see that's you know, the first time you see yeah, him show that emotion exactly. yeah. you see him actually showing emotion
1: and he defies Jarell's um yep. earlier warning awesome against that, yep. not to manipulate not to get involved in. and it goes into sort of his yeah. morals doesn't it You're know, questioning yeah. his morals um,
0: and then he sort of instead he lists he, he sort of he's Jonathan's um, advice that he must be there for a reason and that's when he obviously accelerates round mm. earth turning it back backwards in time to prevent Lois's death um and then the the last scene is superman delivering Lex Luthor and, yeah. and Otis played by Ned Beatty who's kind of his like comic he's the comic, relief comic relief that, yeah.
1: but yeah before flying away and the end mm. um there was um, uh in between all, all the chaos with the earthquake there was also a there was a train scene wasn't there yeah. where he, he corrects the actual mm. train line yeah. there was a bus as well on the golden gate Gate bridge Bridge, which they built from scratch didn't they have used bus full of school kids like saves so it's got it's completely action-packed isn't it yeah and something you just why
0: why don't okay so there's got to be loads of things going on simultaneously Mm. right so while he's saving a kid's cat somebody could be falling off a building somewhere and dying so how do you choose who to get
1: um i i have no clue because the, the idea is that he can hear yeah everything all at once. once but then then it. again, you go into his actual powers. I mean, uh, simultaneously, he could he could say. I mean, he goes. He shows it even in this movie. He he shows that he can go faster than the speed of light and time and whatnot. And I just I just think that he could save someone's cat while a person's falling from a building or whatnot. Save them as well. I just think he's. He's just so powerful, and that's one of the reasons why he's brought to earth and whatnot. You yeah. know, maybe that's me just just uh, making up maybe. an excuse for him. I just to start. How but do you? How do hey, you? Hey, um, it's Superman. Okay, there we <laughs> go. It's Superman.
0: How do you? Um, you know, how do you decide who kind of? Bought?
1: And I, I suppose it's not even really. No one really cares about that point. Really, no, do they?
0: no, it's just I'm going to say. Uh, and did you know that Kirk Allen from the Superman TV, um, the Superman film serial, and Noel Neill played. Uh, uh, Lois Lane had, had cameo appearances as parents of Lois Lane but they were actually cut oh. in a deleted scene. It was restored later in home media releases. So, a
1: little bit of trivia mm. there. Um, so, obviously, talk, we've talked about the plot yeah. to the end. Yeah. Um, another big thing that we can get into is, is the actual score itself yeah. by John yeah. Williams. I, th- I think... Um, First and foremost, I think we both agree that this is probably the best yeah. film score of all time, don't we?
0: Well, apparently Jerry Goldsmith... Yeah, it was Jerry Goldsmith. ...was uh, was going to be brought in to score... Uh, he actually scored The Omen, um, and he was originally set to compose Superman. Um, actually, he also scored Planet of the Apes, mm. and actually some of his work from Planet of the Apes was used in the Superman teaser trailer. mm and he dropped out after scheduling conflicts, so they brought in obviously John Williams. And John Williams has always conducted this London Symphony Orchestra to record the, the soundtrack. And it's obviously one of the last um, pieces to come into place. And actually the theme from Superman, the main title was released as a single, and it, it reached number 81 on, on the US billboard, <laughs> Hot 100.
1: Well, I heard as well that um John Williams was delighted because he was yeah. a huge Superman fan as well. Yeah. Um, what can you say? I mean, John Williams,
0: I think is just the, the best of all the, time. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. It just is. And well, again, it's like, you you can say that Superman is a great film, but oh, I was a good film. Sorry. But what makes it great is the soundtrack. Well, there's, there's a little story
1: about, um, him actually, because obviously when they, when film composers compose the yeah. movie, they watch the movie and they compose in real time. Yeah. And, uh, john williams was um almost sort of rushed by her uh, richard Donner because he was obviously watching and and richard Donner almost um upset the actual whole production um of, of the music and and he just couldn't he was like tears in his eyes he was clapping yeah. he, was, he couldn't believe how great this was yeah. you know and it just goes to show how how much his his scores alone mm. heightened this movie because it this thing with, with a character as big as bold as Superman, you need that like
0: booming said, score. When Superman first appears, you get that da opens <inaudible> <clears> <native native> <Pokemon>. <inaudible> Yeah. Man, come on, that don't give you that don't give you chills, you know? And the actual... da 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 sounds like saying Superman and William's actually said that as well. So it's it's
1: yeah, it's it's just like I said it was, it was you couldn't use a score in everyone, any other movie it was no. made for Superman and yeah. once again it, you needed that booming sound of the orchestra yeah. to sort of coincide with the character of Superman as well yeah, um, yeah it's just absolutely well, perfect
0: mean, you've got editing by Stuart Baird you've got cinematography by Jeffrey Unsworth who actually I think died before the end actually mm. before the film was released as well I think it's a posthumous mention I think actually on the opening credits I mean they're, they're two of the best in yeah. their field you know? so you know, it's it had some great people, obviously. Yeah. Um, but how many how many great people have produced shitty films? You know, <laughs> that's the thing. And I think it had it had the potential to be just another run of the mill.
1: You know. Well, I've obviously in interviews, like you said, it had the potential to be full flat, be shit. But on on the, all the interviews, everyone said the person that got us through it and the reason why this film didn't end up shit was because of Richard Dunn yeah. he it was like a team they yeah. were all a team and he was the yeah. sort of the, the leader and he got them all through the the, yeah. the drooling sort of dragging of, of 19 months mm-hmm. of filming you know
0: and obviously despite all the issues that he had to contend with yeah. and budgetary re- things and going over schedule I mean I think he delivered just an absolute masterpiece of a film yep yeah. um, and the, the, obviously the true the true um, one of the ways of, of Telling that is the fact that how many sequels has it had, reboots. You know, Superman is still an enduring character, Mm. still going strong in films. Warner's there's still an appetite for the Superman character. You know, there's still an appetite from Warner's to actually produce more Superman films. Um, So yeah, I think gotta be. I'm sure it's been probably one of my, maybe not top ten, but definitely top twenty films of all time. I think
1: it's certainly um, one of the best comic book movies ever made, you know, yeah. um, and it just you get all these these modern day comic book like comic book fans, and uh, their potential favorite films would never be never been made if it wasn't for this film. So um, you got to give it so much credit um, for how it revolutionized this yeah. this type of film, you know. Yeah. And uh, like we said before, a lot of that goes to Richard Donner as well for his work on mm-hmm. the film.
0: Okay. Anything else you'll know? I think to, we've, we've right. covered
1: most of them. We, yeah. I think everyone knows so that we, yeah. we we like this movie. <laughs> really, so.
0: so let's move on to Superman 2. Mm. This is the 1980 theatrical release directed by Richard Lester, again written by Mario Puzo and David and Leslie Newman. Um, Obviously, we've, we've talked about uh, Richard Lester's involvement mm. in Superman. After the success of Superman, um everybody expected Donna to come back and complete Superman 2 didn't happen he was apparently fired by Telegram he was sent a Telegram of the Salkin saying that his services were no longer required they hired Lester to come in um, and Lester had a very different cinematography shall we say style to yep. yeah. to, um, to Donna I mean he said Donna's style was more of an epic kind of um Almost David Lean style filmmaking, whereas his was more sort of light-hearted, tongue-in-cheek comedy style. What one do you think suits <laughs> yeah. Superman more? Well, um, obviously, when he when he was hired uh, initially, he, he expected to sort of complete the film, but he wanted to obviously complete it because seventy-five, about seventy-five to eighty percent of the film was already made by mm. Donna, uh, completed by Donna, and he came in and he obviously reshot a lot of scenes um, to get a director's credit you have to shoot I think 60% yeah, of the film and on there yeah um, he fully expected to share directing credit with Donna but Donna said he doesn't share credit and so um, so he gets um, sole directing credit for that um, again it brings back obviously Christopher Reeves Clark Kent Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor Ned Beatty as Otis Jackie Cooper as Perry White but then it reintroduces characters from the first film, so that's um, General Zod, played by uh, Ten Stamp, mm-hmm. Ursa, played by Sarah Douglas, and Non, played by Jack O'Halloran, um, who are the three criminals that we see in, in the first film being imprisoned in the Phantom Zone by jor or the Council of Elders, I think it is in Krypton. Um, the opening of this film uh, sees Superman thwarting a terrorist attack on the Eiffel Tower he they uh, terrorists have got an atomic bomb which they're gonna explode he pushes it into space and the actual um, explosion from that breaks a phantom zone frees the three um, General Zod and his two companions we see a scene where they fly to the to the moon where there's uh, actual astronauts on the moon yeah and there's this whole scene where they actually start to realize the powers that they've got. Um, and I think the actually says, you know, the closer we get to a a planet with a single sun, the more powerful we get. Um, they come to earth and that's when they realize the full extent of their powers. And there's scenes involving, uh, the a local sheriff, the national guard. Um, and then there's a, um, there's a sub sort of plot involving uh, Clark and Lois. Um, Lois suspects Clark is Superman. They travel to Niagara Falls. She purposefully throws herself in to to expect, because she she works out that whenever Superman's around, Clark's (laughs) not. Yeah. So she purposely throws herself off Niagara Falls, expecting Superman to to turn up, but Clark actually manages to save her without exposing himself. Uh, That night, Clark trips, and his arm lands in in a... a lit fire and when his hands obviously when he's not burnt um, Clark reveals that he is in indeed Superman takes her to Fortress of Solitude shows her trace of his past declares his love for Lois and wishes to spend his life with her um, Superman re- removes his superpowers by exposing himself to red Kryptonian sunlight and so becomes mortal they spend the night together and then leave uh, the Arctic unbeknownst to him Zod's obviously come to earth hmm. um, they travel to the White House force the president to surrender um, Clark and Lois arrive at diner where he's he's basically beaten up um, essentially uh, the fight's interrupted by an urgent news report where the president resigns his office to Zod when the president pleads for Superman to save Earth Zod demands that Superman come and kneel before Zod and then that's when Clark goes, Oh shit, I made a horrible mistake Yeah. Return to the Fortress to see if he can regain his powers. Lex Luther escapes from prison. Um they go to the Fortress of Solitude before Superman and Lois are alive and Luthor Luther learns of Superman's connection to Jarel and General Zod. He finds Zod at the White House, tells him Superman is son of Jarel, offers to lead him to Superman exchange for Australia. So the three criminals ally with luther go to the office of the daily planet superman arrives after having found the green crystal that restores his powers and battles the three zod realizes superman cares for the humans and takes advantage of this by threatening bystanders superman realizes the only way to stop Zod and the others is to learn to the fortress superman flies off Zod are on in pursuit kidnapping lois and taking along luther um zod plans to kill luther and superman Superman tries to get Luther to lure the three into the crystal chamber, but Luther, uh, eager to get back into Zod's favor, reveals the chamber's secret to the villains. Zod forces Superman into the chamber and activates it. But what you don't realize is he switched things mm-hmm. around. So he's safe in the chamber and the actual whole fortress becomes the, the Kryptonian, um, son and re- obviously removes Zod of, and the others of their powers. Um, so then next day at the Daily Planet following the day, Clark finds Lois upset about knowing his secret, but not being able to open up about a truth. And He kisses her using abilities to wipe her mind of the knowledge of the past few days.
1: Yeah, I think it is called like the kiss of yeah. life or some um,
0: shit. Clark returns to the diner and basically beats the guy up who beat him up. Mm. Um, and then the, the end of the film, Superman restores the damage done by Zod, replacing the American flag on top of the White House tells the president that he'll not abandon his duty again so that's it in a nutshell really Um,
1: it's weird though just from the start obviously you've explained both films all second already doesn't doesn't seem as engaging (laughs) just by you saying hey
0: but again it was like with Rich Lester there's a lot of sort of comedy elements to it and there's one particular scene where Zod's using his sort of his breath against um, metropolis and there's this sort of obviously people being, being blown over but then there's like the guy's wig gets blown off there's a guy's ice cream gets blown mm. off this guy in a phone box who makes a phone call it gets blown over and blown away and he's still on the phone just things like that yep. which i don't think really it doesn't fit him with the whole i know superman i know the original was, was didn't really take itself too seriously but even so i think you know it, it should still have a serious tone to
1: it well yeah I was, I was, the first Superman had a serious tone um, Richard Donner knew when and how to use uh, sort of comedic aspects correctly um, but when when you the smarter thing to do at the time would have been to maybe one not hot not fire Richard Donner but two look for a director who maybe has the same sort of stance and films and the same sort of style yeah. but uh, Lester's style was completely different to uh, Donna's and yeah. I just think his, his style was nowhere near as compatible with mm. Superman as Donna's was.
0: Yeah I mean like just to give you a b- brief idea as well Tom Mankiewicz was asked to to, to come in and, and work on the script he refused out of obviously a, um, allegiance to Donna Um John Williams came in yeah. and famously had a falling out with Richard Lester, said he couldn't work with him, mm. so he left the project. Who
1: was it who came in again?
0: Um, Ken Thorne. Yeah, um, that's it. Gene Hackman refused to come come back and do reshoots, so uh, some of the shots, particularly at the end of the film with the Fortress of Solitude, had to use a, a stand-in and uh, a voice actor on on that as mm. well. So I think some of the actors actually realised that Maybe it wasn't as good a film but no. they were they they were working on. Um and just looking at the um the box office, I mean it was made on a fifty four million dollar budget similar to the, the original and made hundred and ninety million.
1: That's a massive decrease. Which is
0: you know, nearly half as much.
1: And you you'd expect so, the, the sequel to at least yeah. touch what the original made. Yeah. Um and then obviously there was this whole thing with Marlon Brando
0: as well. Um he was actually suing um suing the Salkins for fifty million, claiming he'd never received his percentage of the film's gross. And he filed a restraining order to prevent the use of his likeness. So the restraining order was thrown out. Brando received fifteen million in the settlement, but following this Alexander Ilya Salkin announced that malon brando's completed scenes for superman 2 would be excised from the movie to avoid having to pay the actor another 11.75 percent gross that he was demanding so and but also Ilya Salkin claimed that brando was removed due to creative differences um so that's when Susanna york was brought in to to reshoot some of those uh, actually reshoot the scenes that um that Brando had shot um and that Suzanne York played Lara which is um Jarell's wife and Superman's biological mother um and obviously we'll go into more detail about uh what happened to that footage later oh. you know in the later but that that's kind of what happened why why yeah. Brando was removed um I don't know if there's any anything much more to say about that. Really, it's, no. I, um, I mean,
1: like I said, it's it's not a terrible movie. Um, but the, like I said, the, the one of yeah. the main only one of the main things and only things really wrong with this movie is Richard Lester's yeah. uh, directing style yeah. it just was not but compatible. I've, I've
0: got nothing against Richard Lester. I don't. I mean, I've I've seen some of his films, and he he, he he's a competent, he's a good mm. director. But I just don't think he was right for no. this particular project because I don't think he was you know, he didn't have the same connection I think Donna had to, Superman. to to Superman. Mm-hmm. So that leads us on then, okay, if we're gonna move on to yep. Superman Two, the Richard Donner Cut. Yep. Which is a two thousand and six re edited director's cut of the 1980 superhero film, Superman Two. So so when um, basically when Donna was like we said, when Donna was replaced, um, he'd shot something like seventy five to eighty percent of the film um like we say, Richard Lester was brought in to, to complete the film, reshot a lot of it, um it was released at the box office to kind of you know, not as it was still a successful film but just not as not as good really. Yeah. Um so in to- two thousand and one, two thousand and one they were working on a restoration of Superman, the movie for D V D. They actually found six tons of footage for from Superman and six tons of footage for Superman two. Um, in vaults in England by a a guy called Michael Thau, including a lot of lost footage filmed by Richard Donner. So then soon after that, actually Warner Brothers actually approached Donner to do an extended version of Superman 2, but he he wasn't particularly interested in that. Um, He told uh, in an interview that at the time, the studio wanted me to go back in and recut the film and add anything I wanted to or add, um, or do anything I wanted to do. Quite honestly, I was done with it. It was finished. So, basically, fans campaigned uh, to, uh, to to have a, a Donna Cut release. Um, in 2004, Margot Kidder said in an interview that there's a whole lot of su- other Superman 2 in a vault somewhere with scenes of Chris and me that have never been seen in the light of day. It's far better than the one that was released. Other than Donna's reluctance to revisit the project, there the were legal issues with uh, the greatest. Obstacle towards creating a donor cut. The actual footage was still owned by the Salkins. Um, there was issues over using Brando's film footage in Superman 2. Um, that was kind of resolved in March of 2005. When it was reported that stock footage of Brando would be used in the then upcoming sequel Superman Returns. So Brando's estate had actually come to terms with Warner Brothers that they could use his footage in Superman Returns, so that opened the door then for them to be able to negotiate the use of his footage in, in Superman 2. So then in November 2006, uh, the Donner Cup producer, Michael Thau said that Malon Marlon Brando's estate made a deal with Warner Brothers to license some of the footage for Superman Returns. This later led to the studio going back to his estate for our recut of Superman 2. If that footage couldn't be used it wasn't worth doing the project which i probably agree yeah. i think that was crucial they began work on the project in in 2005 without donna um but then he joined um later on and it was essentially finished um in 2006 mm. um and in in a Interview that thou noted a lot of scenes that had been already cut that Richard Lester had interwoven new material in, and there was a lot of them. I unwove that material and recruit, recut those scenes basically from scratch a lot of times. I also had to deal with negatives that had already been cut, I and mean, when I wanted to recut it, and Lester had already cut it in a different way, I'd, I'd had to have to unwind that. It was a complicated jigsaw puzzle sometimes to put it back the way I envisaged. Dick would want it cut. We only used Lester footage when there was material. When they had not been able to shoot and to keep some continuity to the story, so there is some Richard Lester footage yeah. in the Donner Cut, only when they couldn't couldn't actually use it. So we th- we saw this recently, yeah. and to be honest, I do think it is far superior. Yeah, to I, I I agree. Yep. Um, the whole opening sequence with the Eiffel Tower that's removed. Um, it is a nuclear bomb that. That actually releases Zod from the Phantom Zone. Um, so, this is a list of all major Donner footage that was retained for Superman 2. So, various shots of the Kryptonians' villains on, on trial. They had to basically map Brando out. Scenes from Superman, the movie, during the opening credits Lex Luthor and Otis doing laundry in prison. The three, three super villains land on the moon and kill the astronauts. Luthor escapes prison. Luther and Tesmanek in the hot air balloon. Luther and Tesmanek at the Fortress of Solitude. The three supervillains attack the White House and force the President to new before Zod. <laughs> A powerless clerk is beaten up by Rocky in the diner. Lex Luther visits the supervillains in the White House. The villains burst into the Daily Planet and chase after Superman. The villains return to the planet and decide to go to Superman's polar fortress. The second part of the finale at the Fortress of Solitude, beginning with Luther's belated arrival. Superman returns Lois home. Clark returns to the diner and gets his revenge on Rocky. So that was actually what Donner had, had, had shot, and it was kept in the original Superman yeah. Two. Um, there's actually uh, footage, isn't there? The whole Niagara thing is is cut out as well because there's a scene involving Lois, which actually throws herself out of a window at the Daily Planet yeah. to prove. That super, that's Clark is is superman he manages to again without reveal himself save her life um there's actually uh the whole niagara thing it's i think it's recut with some actual um test test footage, footage Yeah, of actually a screen test isn't it from yeah. uh christopher and lois and um margot kidder where she basically pulls a gun on him shoots him but it's not empty it's empty it's obviously. like a blank yeah, isn't it? A and that's when he reveals himself to be so there are some kind of continuity areas uh, continuity things particularly with um, Reeve and Matt and Kidder the actual look of them So yeah. Reeve looks a bit skinny in some some scenes where he's bulked <laughs> up in others and but I, I do think yeah and obviously they couldn't uh, they he re the original ending for which is the same ending as, as Superman. Superman, yep. where he it essentially turns back time to make Lois forget that he's Superman. But I just think it, it just flows a lot better. There's, there's, there are some scenes, like I said, with, with Superman too, there's a scene with, when Zod's, uh, blowing, um, I should rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> he's using his breath basically to, to attack, uh, Metropolis. Um, that scene's kind of intact, but they've removed some of the comedy elements yeah. from it. So that's kinda of, thing what they were doing. So that's that's still Donna's I think that must have been Donna's original footage that Lester had inserted sort of some comedy bits to yeah. it. Um there is some completely different footage. Um but I would like like we said, they, they only had to, they only used Lester's footage when they couldn't have any source yeah. material for it. But again, I just think it it just fits in with the whole Superman and I think had Donna been able to finish Superman two, I think it would have been as good as yep. the original.
1: I, I, no, agree. I think
0: he would have maybe continued to been brought in and done, gone on to do maybe another super, you know Superman three and and beyond that. So I don't know. It's 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 all
1: hindsight, but I just yeah. Well, just once again, um, even from the Frankenstein's monster film we got, you can tell that this is a much more like you can tell the person making it cared for the character again cared for the source material they knew what they were talking about or, or presenting when, when obviously with Superman um, I, a, a big change I liked was the fact that we got uh, Marlon Brando back as jor and, and it makes the obviously the scenes where he's talking to Jor-El uh, much more memorable and uh, just much more Or it's, it's, the thing with this movie there's just more heart to it isn't there you know um, and yeah i i agree with you i i know there's a bit like there's this there's a huge scene cut out with when they're destroying that um little town in it in it you know but i think that was just all of lester's lester's stuff um and uh I, I i feel like I agree. i think this is a much better superman film maybe not a film as overall as of course it's not their fault that they had to splice together test footage as well but yeah as an actual superman film yeah it completely trumps mm-hmm. um Lester's movie
0: well okay let's if we look at the the critical response so Donna cut on Rotten Tomatoes gets 90 percent whereas the uh Lester cut is 83 percent um and again just the grossing uh the actual figures for box office obviously this wasn't released on on uh, in the box mm-hmm. office but I'm sure it probably would have done a lot more, I think,
1: yeah
0: um anything else you wanna to add to that
1: um no, like I said, I just Richard donald just got the the character of Superman so right in he, he knew knew the character of Superman he knew the law, he respected it, he mm. respected the source material, and as as he was he was a fan like all of us he he done it, he made the film from a fans' point of view and what the fans would would have yeah. wanted so yeah I, I do not that I don't like Richard Lester's cut uh, mm. of, of theatrical release um, and I hold no no animosity towards him I believe they actually they got he he didn't dislike um Donna and you said no, they were actually and, good
0: friends yeah. apparently and, and
1: yeah so but I just yeah I just think it all comes down to to Richard Donner actually understanding yeah. the character of, of Superman so
0: yeah definitely
1: um and of course they uh, a big thing as well as they uh, with the Donner Cut they brought back John Williams yeah. and his scores yeah. and his scores just even though it's slightly different um, from Lester's, it he the actual composer himself of Superman 2 came out and said that his didn't quite carry, carry much uh, as much sort of um, reverence yeah. and sort of boom that you need for, for Superman and yeah, it, even though it's a slight difference it's yeah. certainly a no, noticeable one isn't it
0: yeah um and then obviously Richard lester was asked to come back and come back yep. for superman 3 which we're going to discuss along with superman 4 and superman returns yep. in our next episode of our podcast um thank you for listening i think we really enjoyed that I yeah it was superman just, is is one of our our favorite characters yeah i think
1: um yeah just love the guy yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, so all that's left to me is to say thanks to Cheeto. Um, thank you, Robbo. Thank you for listening. Thank um, you, guys. And we hope to see you again next week. Bye.